Thank you for listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We believe that everyone is significant and that God designed you with a purpose. One of the ways you can discover that purpose is by serving on a dream team. A dream team is what we call our volunteer teams at IFC. Whether you are currently on a dream team or are interested in using your gifts and talents to make a difference, come join us for team night on October 19th. It's gonna be a great opportunity to connect with other dream team members and hear vision directly from our pastors. You can find out more information about this and other events at intlfamilychurch.com. Now here is part one of our current series, Blessed. Today, as we start a brand new series, I have to be honest with you, I feel the weight of this responsibility today. I feel the weight anytime I get behind this sacred desk. I know it's just a, a pulpit made out of plastic and, and metal, but it's just something about as a communicator of the gospel, the privilege I have week after week of standing behind this podium and ministering God's word to you. Every Sunday, I still get butterflies. I've been doing this a long time. And the Sunday I no longer get butterflies is the Sunday I should probably stop. Because I'm relying on Jonathan Del Turco. And I'm not relying on Jonathan Del Turco today. And, and I feel the responsibility of God's word every Sunday. But then there are certain subjects that I believe, like this one that I'm about to introduce to you today, that really has a generational impact. See, I believe that if God's word does not impact us generationally and doesn't cross ethnicities, then God's word, something's wrong with that, right? Something should, it should really impact our world and not just our world united states are around the world the gospel is the gospel of jesus christ amen and so today as i start this message and really sense the enormity of our of the responsibility of this let's let's be partners today amen let's work together and uh, make a demand on the gift of god and and I, my heart's ready my heart's prepared i have the privilege of doing it a second time and i'm sure i'll knock it out of the park the third time next service but let's just pray together, will you? Let's just believe together and release our faith. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this awesome privilege of ministering God's Word today. What a joy. What an honor. What a privilege. But Father God, what an enormous responsibility, Father God. And I pray that uh, my heart represents you well. Father God, you, you, are, you are the God in charge. Jesus, you're the chief shepherd here. I'm just the under-shepherd. I'm just the, the water boy. I'm just the one who brings the water today. Uh, and I thank you, Father God, that you will anoint these words, make them impactful to us. I pray they come across with simplicity, with accuracy, so that we can immediately apply them to our life. I pray, Father God, that these words will be seeds sown in, in good heart, soil that's healthy and strong, ready to receive it with joy and expectation so it produces much fruit for your honor and for your glory. And as always, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, for you're the only one that's worthy of it all. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Today we start a seven-week series. Yeah, seven weeks, a little longer than normal. Seven-week series entitled, Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag Blessed. I believe this message has the potential of being a life-changing message that will not only affect you, as an individual, your family, and all of us as a church family. Over the next several seven weeks, I want to share something with you that profoundly transformed the Del Turco household. It radically changed our view of God and his plan 
for our lives. For years, my wife and I suffered from lack. And the more lack we experienced, the, the more, in a daily basis, we became hopeless. When you have lack, man, it just makes you hopeless. Like, what's the future hold? And because of our lack, we suffered. Now, there's two ways to suffer. You can suffer because you know better, but you refuse to do what you know. You'll suffer from that. And then there's a suffering that comes because you just don't know, and you don't know what to do. And you suffer because you lack knowledge. Whether somebody didn't tell you, whether you were in the wrong environment, or you weren't in the right um, place to hear the truth of God's word, either way, suffering can occur. Now, if this is something you relate to, you're going to be blessed by this series today. I'm going to open up my own heart and life and, and our marriage and over these weeks to really help you understand kind of the environment that we grew up in and the environment of just not knowing. And because we didn't know, we suffered and every day became more hopeless. So what does it mean to live blessed? And why is this so important for us today? Today, I want to talk to you about God's plan. God's plan, what his plan is, what it means in God's plan, in his view, what it means for us to be blessed. So I want to introduce today God's plan on what it means to be blessed. Let's go to our big takeaway. Here's the one main point I want you to go home with today. Here's what we're going to unpack. It's not God's plan for you to live in not enough or in just enough, but rather more than enough. I really want you to get this in your heart. We're going to talk about these terms today. I want you to understand this today. It's not God's plan. You have to know that you know that it's not God's plan to live in not enough or just enough, but rather more than enough. I have a question for you as we start this series today. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? There are some people that without a shadow of a doubt, without any hesitation, right, you, you have with great confidence, you can say, absolutely, absolutely, I trust God. But there are others amongst us that it's a little bit more complicated for them to be able to say outright, I trust God. Now, your ability to trust God is shaped by four influences, these four influences shape your life more than you realize and will actually shape whether or not you trust God and you can rely on him and believe what he says. Are you ready for this? Number one, here's our first influence that shapes our life. Your family. Your family. How you were raised. Many of us were brought up in dysfunctional homes where we didn't have ongoing love and ongoing affirmation. And it was more contentious and, and more hands-off. And, and it wasn't an environment where, where we were celebrated. We felt like maybe oftentimes we were more tolerated than celebrated. And because of that, we wondered why we had such a hard time understanding God's love. And his ongoing affirmation about his big, wonderful plan for our lives. And because of our family and how we were raised, we find it very difficult to, to trust God and to allow him to love us and to even believe that he really does have our best interest at heart. Attitudes, thoughts, behavioral patterns, 
um, that were on our parents can be inherited and pass on to us. Oftentimes, as we grow older, we wonder where these thought processes come from in our lives. We wonder why, where, and as we get older, sometimes we realize, oh, I remember that. That's how my dad thought. That's how my grandfather thought. That's how my grandmother thought. That's how my mother thought. And because grandma worried so much and mom was always anxious, no wonder why I'm so anxious. And we can, we can have many things passed on to us um, because of our family upbringing. And we need to understand something. Is your family upbringing always the best judge on whether or not you can trust God or not? The second thing that shapes us, the influence that shapes us in life is your life experiences. Your life experiences. Here is where because of your experiences, um, you have come up with your own conclusions about whether God can be trusted or not. Life experiences, whether good or bad, teach us a lot about life. And oftentimes, they again, life experiences are not the best teacher as to whether or not God can be trusted and his plan understood. Life experiences oftentimes connect us more to circumstances and feelings and emotions and, and things that are very real in our lives because these life experiences can shape us and shape our soul and shape our lens and how we view life and people and, and the opposite sex and, and people of different cultures and, and on and on it can go. So oftentimes our life experiences are not a very good shaper of whether or not we can trust God. Number three, the third influence that we find is religious affiliations. Wow. There are many people who here today that have made up their mind who God is and what he can be trusted about based upon our religious upbringing. Sometimes they have the attitude, this is how I was raised. This is what my church taught me. This is what my grandfather believed. So my father believed it was good enough for my grandfather and good enough for my father. It's just good enough for me. And we have the attitude, oh, grandpa's buried in the back of that church, and my parents are buried back there, and, and I guess one day I'll probably be buried back there, but I'm going to be thinking the same way. And oftentimes, we don't understand that because we've not been exposed to anything else, that we don't realize that oftentimes our religious traditions and our religious affiliations oftentimes, not always, oftentimes can work against what God wants in our lives because we were brought up religiously. And depending upon your church experience will depend upon whether or not you really can trust God to the degree that God's word declares to us. Amen. Isn't that true? Now, I oftentimes would rather deal with someone who's clueless about God, has no concept of God, never darkened the door of a church, and I'd rather deal with them because they don't come pre-programmed. Right? They're just moldable. They're just open. Man, I'm a no-good sinner. I messed up. Help. Man, I'd rather take that than like I grew up with this religion and religious traditions that took me a long time to unlearn. Now, many of them, thank God, they're, they're stalwart beliefs in my life. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I'm grateful for how I was brought up. But many things tripped me up along the way. And it took me a little bit longer to understand some things about God and his plan. And finally, last but not least, the fourth influence that shapes us is the Bible. 
Thank God for the Bible. Yeah, it's come to that. We're going to go to the Bible today. <laughs> it's come to that. The Bible. God's Word is our only accurate source as to who God is and can He be trusted. So I want to encourage you today, put your family your life experiences, your religious affiliations, and, and put them, so to speak, over here, if you will. And let's make sure that we, have, we can look at them through the lens of God's Word, through the lens of something higher and bigger that goes beyond your family experiences, goes beyond your life experience, goes beyond your religious experiences, amen, and so that we can look at those in a, in a, in a way that, that we're not held captive by those top three, that God's Word, we make room for God's Word to say, you know what, maybe they are in a way. Now, maybe they're not, but maybe they are. For me, they were in the way. Maybe for you, they might not be in the way. But I want to recognize today that God's word must be our filter, our judge about whether or not and how we, are, we can live a blessed life. Amen. God is not like your dysfunctional family or your negative life experiences or your past religious affiliations taught you. Amen. God's word must become our final authority. Amen. Our final authority. I had to get to the place that while I was, I was in that tension between my religious upbringing um, and God's word, that tension in the middle, I had to finally realize that while this side is true, I had to say, with God's word as my final authority. I had to intentionally make that decision. It didn't always feel right. It didn't always seem right. It didn't always seem like because growing up old time Pentecostal, you know, we had this guilt complex that we all live with like, okay, lightning might strike any moment. Grandpa might roll over in the grave if he knew what I was believing, right? Uh, there's this tension going back and forth, but I, I had to make that choice. And, and many of you, I want to encourage you that you might need to make that choice for you today. Psalm 119, 105, and 111 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm telling you what, if you don't know the next step to take and it's too dark and you're not sure where to go, is it left, is it right, is it straight, is it back up a little bit and make another turn, and, uh, but thank God God's word is that lamp. God's word will light your path. And a light and a, and a, a, light and a lamp, it doesn't light the whole path. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. A lamp kind of lights the next few steps. So God's word shows us and guides us. It says, your statutes are my heritage. Oh, yeah. Forever. They are the joy of my heart. I pray that God's word is a joy to your heart. If it's not a joy to your heart, hang around. It will be a joy to your heart. And when it's a joy to your heart, oh, my, get ready for experiencing some of God's highest and best. Listen very carefully. God wants you to know something this morning. He wants you to know that, you, that what you're currently experiencing, God has more for you. Whatever it is, if you're here or if you're here, God has more for you today. Tell your neighbor, there's more. Now tell your other neighbor it was your second choice and tell him, there's more. There's more. Let's discover what the Bible has to say about living blessed. Amen. You ready for this? Oh, I'm so excited for you today. Amen. Many people believe that poverty 
and prosperity are both a matter of birth or luck. They believe that some people were meant to be poor while other people were just meant to be rich. You know, you got dealt those, those cards. You were born in that neighborhood. You were born in that nation. You were, you were, this is what you have. Get over it and get used to it. That's not what God's word tells us. Amen. Satan has lied to people all over the world and listen to his lie. Some people are destined to live in lack and some people are destined to live in plenty. And there's nothing anybody can do about their circumstances. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Your circumstances, your birth order, or the place you were born, or whatever other circumstances are around your life that make you unique does not determine God's plan for your life. In fact, they are very bad barometers. Amen. Because we think, well, I was born here. I didn't get to go there. I didn't have that ability or that. And and I had to run for my life from this country and, and genocide. And the stories in this room of almost 60 different nations are are overwhelming. But the good news is God's bigger than your circumstances. God's bigger than your birth order. God's bigger than your nation. God's bigger than the heart broke that you, the, 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 the heart of yours that's broken in a million pieces because of what took place and what has happened to you. Aren't you glad it's not about birth and it's not about luck? It's all about God and his will for your life. Settle it once and for all. That satanic lie has crippled crippled people, crippled the well-being of so many good people for far too long. And it's time to learn the truth. Now, because poverty is such a a broad subject, let's have a working definition that we can work with in this series of what is the definition for poverty that we can work with in our context here at International Family Church. And here's the definition for poverty. Poverty is a spirit that keeps a person bound to lack and not enough. It's usually accompanied by feelings of hopelessness, anger, and victimization. And if you've ever gone through seasons of poverty, you get this. If you're in that season right now, you get this. My wife and I, we understood hopelessness. We understood anger. We understood the temptation to be angry because other people had more than we had. We understood the, 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 the temptation to buy into the, the whole victimization aspect of poverty. And you've got to understand something. Poverty is not based on circumstances. Poverty is not based on, on neighborhood. Poverty is not based on ethnicity. Poverty is a spirit. It's bigger than all those things. It's a spirit that keeps a person bound to lack and not enough. That's why we need to attack this with God's word and, and, and with the, the accuracy of the truth of his word because it's a spirit. And the good news is we've got, we have authority over it, spirits. We have authority over satanic lies. We have authority over any of those things that have tried to keep us captive. Amen. And because we didn't know any better, because we didn't have the guts or the courage to believe something different than grandpa or grandma or mom or dad or our friends, oftentimes we are held captive. Amen. Ver and I were well acquainted with not enough. We have vivid memories, vivid memories of going through the couch pillows looking for change. 
looking for change so that we can buy our son formula. Then cut it in half with water, hoping it would be enough nourishment. Thank God he looks like he did okay. <laughs> right? But that's wrong. We have a vivid memory of saving for months to finally go on a date night. Months. We saved enough money just to get the tickets to the Broadway show we wanted to go to. Just enough money we figured to maybe have an appetizer for dinner and then get home. But the thing we forgot to put into our equation was the toll we had to pay to go back over the bridge. A dollar. We pulled over to the side of the road, got the flashlight out, looking underneath the seats, French fries, but no change, right? And so we were embarrassed. We remember that so easily and so real to us. It's so vivid to, to go to the man in the booth and to say, we don't have the money. And him saying, it's just a dollar, sir. I know. We don't have it. And he gives us this envelope with the Port Authority uh, you know, address on it and said, make sure you pay it. Yes, sir. And we got out of there as fast as we could, right? We remember the phone calls from those collection agencies and the demeaning nature of their insinuations about why we couldn't pay our bills. Maybe you can relate. It's not a fun place to be. Let's now define the word blessed. We define the word poverty. Let's define the word blessed. The word blessed is ongoing increase Possessing more than enough for you and the ability to give to others. Wow. What a difference between this spirit that keeps you bound and victimizes you and causes you to feel less about yourself and hopeless and angry. Now here, ongoing increase, possessing more than enough for you and the ability to give to others. I would encourage you, take a picture of it, write it down. I'll be in the picture for a moment. <laughs> You need this. You need this. You need to put it on your refrigerator, your mirror. Write it down. Opening page of your computer or your digital device. Amen. We need to understand this. Amen. There is not enough. And then there is more than enough. But the majority of us live somewhere in the middle. Just enough. That's where the majority of you are living right now. Just enough. Oh, we hate the fact that you don't have enough. We rejoice over the fact that you have more than enough, some of you, and we understand very much the big middle here of just enough. What is just enough? Just enough is possessing just enough for your needs and no more. That's not God's best. That's just surviving. That's just hanging in there. That's just doing your best to persevere. Lord knows, for years, we were in that big middle. I hear Christians say all the time, on a regular basis, pastors say something like this, Pastor, I I'm a simple man. I just want enough to pay my bills and feed my family. That sounds very spiritual and super humble, but actually it's very selfish and small-minded. God never called you to meet your own needs and nobody else. It's not about just you. Aren't you glad God didn't say, hey, you know what? We three up here, we're doing okay. Right? 
me, God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, we're good. Have a good time, right? It's just about us three and no more. I'm so grateful that God didn't have the attitude. I'm so grateful because if he did, he wouldn't have given up his only son. He would have said, hey, 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 I got just enough. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to you know, mess things up up here, give you my only son. I don't think so. I'm glad he had a more than enough attitude. Amen. He's a big God. He's not El Chipo God. Amen. He's El Shaddai. He's not El Chipo. Amen. I'm so grateful for that today. So thank God he didn't have that attitude. See, anyone who believes that it's not God's will for you to live a blessed life, you bought into a lie. You're listening to the wrong radio station. Excuse me. You're hearing the wrong preacher. You're listening to the wrong information. You bought into a lie. And maybe you know someone who has bought into a lie. And it's important today that we, we, we honestly and un, with a great, great humility make sure that we understand the truth of God's Word. Let's find out the truth of God's Word today. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, where it all began. Just a few more minutes. Are you glad you came to church today? Yeah. That was a good introduction. Now let's understand what God's Word now has to say. The lens that we need to look through. How we need to change to make sure that we have God's lens and not a lens that religion had or man has taught us. Let's make sure Genesis 1.26, here in the very beginning, here's what is said. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image and to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Next. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God, what? Blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Fill the earth and govern it. What was the first thing God did after he created Adam and Eve? He said what? Be blessed. He blessed them. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And I want you to see that from the very beginning, God intended man to live a blessed lifestyle. Right from the get-go, right from the beginning of all things for us as human beings, that God wanted us blessed. Blessed literally means, listen very carefully, blessed, this word blessed literally means to be empowered to prosper as a result of God having God's favor and power working for you. God created Adam and Eve and said, hey, hey, listen very carefully. I'm creating you, and the first thing I do after I create you is I declare you blessed, empowered to prosper as a result of having God's favor and power working for you. So immediately after creating God, creating man, God empowered them to prosper, he caused his favor and his power to be upon them. He told them to be fruitful and to multiply, and most of the time we read that, we think it just means to what? It means to replenish the earth through offspring. Well, thank God it does mean that, but to be fruitful also means, look it up, to be successful in every endeavor. To be successful in every endeavor. So God blessed them and told them, Adam and Eve, be, be successful in every endeavor. Then we know what? 
You know the story, Adam, and he disobeyed, Adam disobeyed God, didn't he? Did not follow his instructions. Adam committed high treason in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Brought a curse on the land. And then even though Adam blew it, guess what? God's plan for mankind did not change. Good news. What happened? After the flood, God literally started over with Noah and his family. Genesis 9.1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them what? This sounds familiar. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. <laughs> Notice that even though Adam messed up, God's plan remained the same. The same thing God told Adam in the garden, and amen, he told Noah. His plan for mankind had not changed. He still wanted to bless mankind. Aren't you glad that even though we blow it, the plan that God has for your life has not changed? God's gifts are irrevocable, the Bible says. They're without repentance. Just because you blow it doesn't mean God's done with you. That's good news today. Amen. No matter what we do, the good news is his plan remains the same. Amen. His plan remains the same. I see it. And you heard the, the, the example of this tapestry called your life. Somehow God knows that even though at this point, man, you made an about face or you blew up your life. In this tapestry called life, God is this master orchestrator that somehow brings it all together so the picture still looks like the picture he initially had for you before you even were born. That's good news today. And so it's no different with the blessings of God. Adam couldn't have blown it worse. Amen. Couldn't have broke the heart of God worse. He didn't give up. Praise God. It continues. That's good news today. Genesis 9, 8 and 9. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Notice that God did not only establish the covenant with Noah and his sons, but he wanted this to be perpetual, amen, to perpetuate it from generation to generation. That's why God's word, if it doesn't affect generations, I can, I'm concerned that it's God's word. If it doesn't break down barriers and if it doesn't break down and go across ethnicities and, and generations and age groups and neighborhoods, then something's wrong with that. Listen very carefully. God believes if you can get a spiritual principle and put it to work in at least three generations, it's most likely never going to leave your generation. If you can... As a father, his son, and his grandson live the same principle, it's most likely going to continue for the rest of your family. Three generations. That's why I'm very confident that the Del Turco family will walk in the blessings of God for many generations. Why? Because my grandfather taught it to my father. My father taught it to me. I'm teaching it to my children, and my children are teaching it to their children. I think the Del Turcos are going to be blessed for a very long time. What do you think? Amen. But it's not just about the Del Turcos. Amen. It's about your house, too. And you might be the first generation that says, I'll stand up and believe that. I'll believe God's word. I'll choose to allow that to be my lens. I'll choose to stand on the final authority of God's word and start the process yourself. Maybe you're working on the second generation. Maybe you're working on the third generation. The fact remains is don't stop working it. Amen. You might not see immediate change in your life, but God's word will come to pass. Amen. 
Amen. Because it's truth. Amen. It's based on God's will, not my will. Amen. The way God wants it to be in your life and your family's life as well. And I've said over and over again, you know, many people say, well, if it's going to be, it's going to be. You know what? It's just, the, it's just how we were dealt the cards that we have. It's just, it's just a matter of fate. Even a lot of Christians believe in fate and, 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 and karma and all those kind of things. And the Lord spoke to me years ago and said, listen, if it's going to be, it starts with me. I mean, he wanted me to say that. If it's going to be, it starts with me. Amen. It starts with me. I've got to believe this. I've got to stand my ground. I've got to know that circumstances can change. That even though it might be generational worry or generational poverty or, or generational uh, challenges and alcoholism and drug addiction and so forth, somebody has to stand up and say, hey, if it's going to be, it starts with me. Amen. Let this be the start of your generational change. Somebody has to stand up and have a big enough vision for just you and what you're going to do for lunch. You've got to think beyond lunch. And as a young parent or even as an older parent, to stand your ground and say, I can change this with God's help. One more example in Genesis 12, God appears to a man named Abraham. And he says to Abraham in Genesis 12 verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He wasn't only going to bless him. He wanted him to be so blessed that he would be a blessing to others. Once again, God is perpetuating his original plan for mankind, from Adam to Noah to Abraham. God is, God, what is God doing? Again, endeavoring to promote increase in the earth of, for his people. And what was Abraham's testimony? God said he was going to bless him and make him a blessing. What exactly happened? Well, we read here in Genesis 24.1. Now Abraham was old and well advanced in years, and he was broke. Is that what it says? See, sometimes the example we see is when people get older and older, the less they have. That shouldn't be our testimony. Our best days are right ahead of us. My wife and I say all the time, the latter days of the Del Turcos will be greater than the, than the beginning. Amen. You should say that over your life. That the older you get, it should be getting better. It shouldn't be getting worse. Oh, you know, I'm living on a limited income, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. That should not be. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Look it up. All still means all. So here's Abraham well advanced in years, walking in the favor of God. God brought increase into every area of his life. And you might say, well, that's great, Pastor, that you've lined out for us about Adam and Noah and Abraham, but how does that apply to me? Great question. So glad you asked. Because now we're going to jump over into the New Testament and read Galatians chapter 3. Take off your seatbelts. Galatians 3.14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come on us here at International Family Church, Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How does this apply to you? What was on Abraham belongs to you, child of God. If you are a Jesus follower, Jesus lives in your heart, you qualify for this. Look at the next verse in Galatians 3. 
29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh my, my, this belongs to you. Are you kidding me? This didn't stop at Abraham. It didn't stop at Noah. didn't even stop with Abraham. It's not just a great story to tell to your grandkids or to your children before they go to bed. This belongs to us. My wife and I began to believe this. We began to believe that that's true. I'm part of Abraham's seed. That how God blessed him belongs to me. And I recognized that it was a journey. It didn't happen overnight. And I had to press through my religious upbringing about money. And my religious upbringing about health. My religious upbringing about healing. My religious upbringing about victory in, in my life. And I, we had to press through every endeavor. And what is God saying? He's saying, didn't end with Abraham. It continues through Jesus. Aren't you glad? Because of Jesus' death and shed blood and resurrection, thank God the word still applies to us today. Most people think that living blessed is all about money. Well, that's, in, that's not incorrect. It's just incomplete. The blessed life encompasses every area of our lives. The blessed life enjoys a quality of life that permeates every aspect of a person's life. It includes your mind, your will, your emotions, as well as your physical health. It continues on in your relationships, your marriage, your family, your businesses, your thought life. The gospel is a holistic gospel that impacts every area of your life. Amen. Now, obviously, everyone would agree that God wants to increase you spiritually. You can go over it. We don't have time to read it in 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, where it talks about that, that, that you need to grow up, that you may grow up into your salvation. Amen. 1 Peter 2, 3. So it, it absolutely applies to us. God wants us to grow spiritually, to be blessed spiritually. None of us have any issues with that. We need to grow up. And if you're not growing up in God, if you haven't grown in God this last year, something's wrong. It's a spiritual law. You should grow up spiritually. I am better this year than I was last year. It's a spiritual law to grow up in Christ. He also expects your soul to grow. Your soul should prosper. Your soul, soul should be blessed. Amen. Your mind, your will, your emotions. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. A prosperous soul means a mind that's renewed to God's word. It means a will that's conformed to his will. Your emotions being under the control of God's word. A prosperous soul is a manifestation of the blessed life. Amen. Amen. If you're not maturing, if you're still being moved as a child of God by all your emotions and by all your unfortunate experiences of the past, and they're dictating to you how you should live today, and you're dictating, you're still being blown away. I don't trust any man because of what that man did to me. I don't trust any woman because of how she controlled me. I don't trust any pastor because of what they did to me. It goes on and on. At some point in our lives, our soul needs to be healed. It's a spiritual law. Please understand this, and I'll say more about this later. All of this first part, that you may prosper in, in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. You understand, if you have a sick soul, you'll have a sick body. Your soul is the key to all of this. 
That's why we work so hard in helping you get freedom in your life, to get restoration in your life. Why? Because if you're bankrupt in your soul, you'll be bankrupt in the natural. If you are sick in your soul, you'll be sick in your body. And we have to work at it. It's not, it's the word. It's living healthy. It's living in the right way that God created us. That's a whole nother subject. But you have to understand, and we'll say more about this, your soul is so key. If you're immature in your soul, you'll be immature not experiencing all the blessings of God in your life. If your feelings still tell you what to do versus God's word, then you have an unhealthy soul. Thank you very much. Of course, God wants you to be physically healed. Psalm 10720, he sent his word and healed them. It goes on and on and on. And obviously, God's word wants you blessed spiritually, mentally, socially, physically. And guess what? If you'll put God's word first place in your life, there should be signs of financial increase in your life. Absolutely. You should be financially growing and experiencing it. Now, it might not come to today or tomorrow or next month, but I promise you, you can't stand on God's word without making sure that every area of your life gets blessed. It's not just about money, but God does care about your money. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. I, I remember this like it's yesterday, and I close with this. A man that I was talking to, total stranger, he found out that I was a minister. And he asked me this question. He said, have you taken a vow of poverty? I almost laughed. I mean, it almost came out of my mouth until I realized he was sincere and serious. And I, 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 it took me off guard. Did I ever take the vow of poverty? And I said, no. And he said with surprise, you haven't? I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, why haven't you? You should take the vow of poverty. Here's what he said. Oh, you know, I said to him, why would I want to do that? And he said to me, well, don't you think preachers ought to be poor? And I said, no way. I think they ought to be blessed. And so I asked him, have you taken the vow of poverty? And his answer shocked me. He said, no. I don't plan on being as committed to God like you. Wow. You know what that means? That means, in his mind... The more you committed yourself to God, the more you committed yourself to his word, the more you decided to live for Jesus and do it God's way, the more you have to give up. And the end result will be taking a vow of poverty to really live for Jesus. That's ridiculous. That's sick. That's a religious spirit. That's not God. And that threw me backwards to make, what? I tried to have a conversation with him, but he didn't want to buy it. Because his religious spirit kept him bound. I close with this thought. We're going to do this God's way. Listen, living blessed. Are you ready for this? Hope, you're, hope you can handle this. Living blessed does not begin with more money in your pocket. It begins with more word in your heart. Why is that so shocking? Because some of you think 
if I just had more money, I'd be okay. If I could just make $5 more an hour. If I could just make $10,000 more a year. If I just had a little bit of money left over to do things with my family and to have a little bit of fun and enjoyment. See, we think, and I thought it too, we think if I just had more money, I would be okay. And we got more money and it fell through the holes of our pocket because we didn't have enough word in our hearts to know what to do with the more money that we got. And only when I began to realize, I don't need more money. I need more word in my heart. Because the more money I had in my pocket, it just seemed to never be enough. Because I didn't get it. I didn't take the time to get God's word in my heart. And that's what we're going to do over these next six weeks, is get God's word in our heart so that we can grow into God's highest and best. So I want to ask you something. I know this is tough for some of you. I want to ask you to make a commitment to be here for the next six weeks. If you're not here for one of them, be committed to get it online. I get we work. I get stuff happens. I get it's hard. Some of you have the habit of coming to church once a month, every other week or whatever. And, and, and I get that we, we need to learn and, and grow better, better patterns and habits. I get it. But I'm telling you, this is so vitally important. I want to ask you to make a commitment to be here as often as you can. Amen. And work at it. Stuff comes up, stuff comes up. I get it. I'm not trying to put you under bondage at all. I'm just trying to get something to you. I really am. I'm trying to get something to you that if you could ever get this in your heart, it would radically change your life. What was our big takeaway? It's not God's plan for you to live in not enough or even just enough, but rather more than enough. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Hope it blessed you today. Did you learn something? Yes. Should be encouraged today. Should say, yeah, I'm committing myself to this. It's time to make some changes. Stand on God's word. Come on, raise those hands towards heaven. Oh, Father, we love you today. I know my time is up, church, and I went longer than I wanted to, but I just had to get that last part out. I just pray today that, Father, that you're working in our heart today. We as a congregation make a commitment. As individuals, we make a commitment. We want to see this your way, Father. We want that to be our lens. That will take time. I get it. That'll take discipline. I get it. It'll take contending for what belongs to us and declaring war on not enough and just enough. We must declare war on that today and persevere and intentionally say, I'm done with this. I don't want to live this way any longer. And put your foot down and really contend for what belongs to you. The courage that it will take, the the, the definition of, of saying, I'm here. I'm all engaged. I'm in the moment. There's nothing right this moment more important to me than my family being blessed and getting this as a young family or as a young couple or a single adult to getting this now we're tired of suffering and being victimized and being angry about everybody else that has something that we think we belong belonged, that we should have too so Father we declare in Jesus name that we're going to be focused together as a community as a family to learn this because the best days for IFC are right ahead of us the best days for your families right ahead of you for you businessman businesswoman for you new entrepreneurs for you dreamers the best days are right ahead of us 
We're not going to allow our present circumstance to stop us from walking into the blessed future that God has planned for us in Jesus' name. How many agree with that this morning? Say a big amen. amen. Come on, give him praise today. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, please. I want to make sure Jesus lives inside your heart today. It all begins with Jesus. You want that blessing that God spoke over Adam and Eve and over Noah and over Abraham and over us? It all begins by making sure Jesus lives inside of your heart. That's where it all starts. Allowing Him to rule your life, declaring Him as Lord and Savior. I want to make sure everyone in this room, you know Him as your Lord and Savior. You've said, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. I open my heart's door and allow you to come in. None of this will make sense without Jesus living in your heart. You can work hard, hustle, and get three jobs, four jobs, hustle, 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 and never, ever, ever tap into it without Jesus first living inside of your heart today. Say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I'm ready. I need forgiveness. I need to make sure heaven is my home. If you're here in the room or joining us online, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand, not because I want to embarrass you or because I'm going to call you forward. Call you forward. I'm not going to do that. But I want to make sure you intentionally say, I'm ready to open up my heart to Jesus. And your upraised hand means that you are. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. Raise it up high today. I want to know who you are. Anybody at all? Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Over here again. Yeah. Thank you. Who else? Raise it up high. Who else? Yes, over here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good for you. Who else? Raise it up high today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. God bless you. Awesome. Man, the best miracle of all. Yes, thank you. Thank you, ushers, for helping me. I see it, sir. You can put it down. Anybody else? Raise it up high. I want to acknowledge this big decision you're making today. Over here. Okay, yes, thank you. I see it. Okay, there you are. Bless you. Thank you. I see it. You can put it down. Anybody else? Thank you for your help today. Sometimes it's hard to see. Yeah, I see it. God bless you. That's awesome. God's going to change your family. That's amazing. Who else? I need you, Jesus. I need you. I can't do this myself. Anybody else before we pray? Keep your heart open online. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. Let's all pray this prayer. Whether you raise your hand or not, you knew you should have, but you know inside of your heart of hearts you're giving your life to Him today. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. Oh, I need you, Jesus. I can't do this by myself. I declare you as my Lord today, my Savior. I open up my heart to you. Forgive me from my sins. I denounce my past, and I want to live for you. All the days of my life, I need you. I receive by faith salvation, eternal life, forgiveness. It's a brand new day. I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on Instagram. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. 
One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.